The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went, up the, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. When it comes to the, the Gospels, um, it, it will be easy to say, this is a foundational text, right? Uh, this, uh, the, the texts that we read uh, Sunday after Sunday uh, are themselves all foundational texts. Uh, but this, my friends, is a foundational text. <laughs> this is, um, this is the, uh, the cornerstone of, of Jesus' teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. In the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, here we see uh, the Beatitudes, I think it makes sense to, to try to put, uh, to put in parallel this and the movement of uh, ancient Israel in order to see uh, what it is Jesus attempts to communicate by his giving the Beatitudes and uh, certainly as he, as he makes his way through the Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, three full chapters in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Israel, we know, is, uh, found themselves enslaved under Pharaoh in Egypt. They're called out by God, yet they're, they're liberated uh, by him. Uh, they make their way out of Egypt. Uh, they are, they uh, cross the, um, the Red Sea waters, and uh, they, they are given the law as the sign of God's covenanting himself with his people. So we see the very, the very uh, beginning of the declaration of the Decalogue, the, the Ten Commandments, is, I am the Lord your God. So the first thing is that Israel is called to live in that relationship. They're called to be God's chosen people, and they have an identity as God's beloved son and living out that relationship because he freed them from, from Egypt. And now he gives them the charter by which they are to live out their national life, their familial and national life together. Here in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, we've had Jesus go down to Egypt and come out of Egypt. We've seen him be baptized. He's made his way through the waters as well. And now he sits down in that position of authority to give the new law. Right? He, he is then instructing 
his people, the people he intends to be and to become the new Israel or his renewed Israel people to pick up the, to pick up the promises of Israel. Now, there's, there's a, is that enough said? Yes. <laughs> no, go on. <laughs> is that enough said about that? I think we'll, we'll circle around it a little bit. Because we, in order to see like, what the significance is, we have to, we'd also have to look at what the significance of Israel is. right? Because what is it? you say, okay, well, that was Israel, and now here's Jesus making a new Israel. And you go, well, who cares? What do you, what, new, old Israel, new Israel, what difference does it make? And, and what's the point anyway? Okay. So we know that Israel, from, from the very beginning, the promise made to Abraham, he's called, um, that he, he receives the promise from God that, that his descendants will, be, will, will bring God's blessing to all the, corner, the, the four corners of creation. Right? It, we see that Israel is, is made to be a, a light to the nations. This is in the plan of God. Right? The idea is that a people is, is called by God to himself, to be blessed so as to be a blessing. And in fact, their, their experience of blessing comes through their being a blessing because it's in that, in that mode that they live most fully, most truly, the image and likeness of God in which they were made. Yes, they're made to, as human beings, we're made to reflect God's glory. We're, we're made, our hearts are made to, to be uh, capable of uh, the imago Dei, the image of God. We're made able to, uh, to be capable of God, to receive him and his own life. Not as like a, not as a, <laughs> there are always going to be detractors, okay? But <laughs> he's working on it. He's, he's an Old Testament guy himself, so he knows, he knows what's going on. Not, you know, we're, we're, we are capable of God, not in the sense that we're an empty vessel that he's going to fill, but that, in fact, our lives uh, run in, uh, in conformity to the divine life. And, in fact, God's own life works in us to conform us to his life and his way of life. So God is, God is radical self-gift. Okay, we're going there. We're going to the roots this morning. God is radical self-gift. God is an eternal exchange of, of love, as the catechism says. He's an, he's an eternal exchange of glorifying love, of glorifying self-gift. That is who God is. We're made in his image and likeness. It means that we are made also to, to pick up that pattern of life and to find the fulfillment of our life in imaging him by pouring ourselves out. It was uh, St. Francis de Sales who said that Christian life is, is ecstatic. It's a matter of ecstasy, and it's a matter of joy. It's a matter of ecstasy because it's a matter of our going beyond ourselves. That's the root of Christian life. And, it's just, it, and it's, it has to be there. Our going beyond ourselves has to be there in order for us to consider ourselves truly Christian. Anyway, this is, this is the kind of the renovation of the, the image and, and likeness of God, right, is that Israel is made to be that people that, um, that uh, sums up creation's praise, right, so uh, gives voice 
to say like the silent praise of creation, praises God, worships him, and then receiving from God his own life of love, receiving from God his strength, his grace. They are made to be God's good and wise stewards of all of creation. This is how God's blessing comes to uh, bear in the world at large. That was Israel's job. Yeah, okay. No comment on whether or not they did it well. They didn't do it that well. So, <laughs> but Jesus, Jesus is on the scene for a reason. Yeah. So, if that's what if that's what the old commission of Israel is, this is also what his new Israel people is supposed to be. Let me let me do it in a in a little bit of a different way because this is Jesus is vision casting here. Yeah. He's he's preaching his words of mission to the people that he has already gathered to himself. So we've seen Jesus move about a bit in the Gospel of Matthew already. Follow me, follow me, right? Come after me, this kind of thing. And these are the people who are following him. They're gathered around him. So these are, this is the new people that is already being freed from the ways of sin and death by Christ Jesus. They're already finding, in, they're finding themselves in a place of, of new life. They're, they're seeing the world in a very different way already because Jesus is rescuing them. Already, Jesus has rescued them. That's their identity. It's not that they were better than any... We'll go back and read the second reading again, right? It's not that they were better than anybody. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. They're people in most need of healing. And Jesus is on the move, healing them and giving them new life. That's their identity. And as the new life people, the new Israel people, the people who have found themselves forgiven by God and caught up in his own blessed life, and set on his purposes, this is the charter for their life. This is now what their lives are going to look like in the world because they are Jesus' people. So you can't read the Beatitudes outside of this context. I mean, you can. I just advise against it. You know, this is, you can read the Beatitudes outside of that context. You come up with a very weird, I, I don't even know what you come up with because it's like, this is not good advice. And it doesn't even have the, the ring of truth to it if you take it out of its context. Blessed, blessed are they who mourn. That's a real blessing, isn't it? To mourn? You know? Isn't it blessed to be impoverished? We're so blessed to be impoverished. No, this is not the point. The point is that this is the charter of God's renewed people, of, God, of God's new Israel, of the people who find Jesus at the very center of their hearts and lives. That's where this makes sense. Yeah? Now I have to go through every point, don't I? Every beatitude and tell you what the... I don't. And my dad's sitting there, so he trust He wouldn't let me. And we, so you can thank him after, you know? <laughs> I'm going to thank him after. I don't feel the burden of having to work through every point uh, with, with him here. So um, let, me do, let me do a couple. Let me, let me say this before I get started. Because we want to, we want to be Jesus' missioned people as well. And as you know, I spend a lot of time working on things like mission statements and the like. So we, there's one in the bulletin. I think it's very good as it relates to uh, our being the people that God intends us to be together. Yeah? We, and it begins, we are, we are to be, we're made to be a light to the world. Okay, so you can hold that in your head if you want. We're a light to the world. I want to give you something else though. We're called to be a people of great love. Too easy? I saw, I saw a look or two there. It was like too easy. Okay, which suggests we've got a long way to go and I might have to work through it point by point. 
This is, it, look, is, this is the hardest thing in the world, right? I'm gonna, and I'm going to make it, I'm going to clarify some points for you. But we're called to be a people of great love. We're called to be a people who, who are animated by the love of God. That's it. Everything else is details. I'm serious. Everything else is, de- everything else is details. We're called to be a people of great love. But let me get in there and show you like how we're supposed to do it, right? Because when we, when we set our, our sights on loving God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbors ourselves, we recognize how, how tough that, that ask is. We recognize how difficult that is. How many of us, don't raise your hand, <laughs> are willing to say that we love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength? And our neighbor is ourselves. I mean, that could be our prayer waking up every day, right? That's a mission-focused prayer. But that's what God's made us to be as his image bearers, to love him with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Our neighbor is ourselves. Okay, so how do we do it? The Christian life is about persevering by faith in the life of great love. Okay, so persevering by faith. What do I mean? I mean Jesus is at the center And it's only by entrusting ourselves to him, by trusting and following him in all things, that we have the power that we need, the strength that we need to live the life of great love that we're being called to. Okay, so we live that life by faith. It's by by our, our intimate, personal relationship with Jesus that we live that. And by his own life of love, at work in us and working through us, that we do it. It's by His Holy Spirit at work in us and working through us that we can live the life of great love that we're called to. Okay, so we're going to persevere by faith in the, in the life of great love. I have to add a word that He's called us to. Persevere by faith in the life of great and costly love. Costly love that He's called us to. Is it costly? Will it cost everything? We can pray that it will, right? But we're living a life of great and costly love. Now we're ready to see the Beatitudes. Because they're blessings in a fallen world. They're blessings in a wounded, broken world. And so when we go out to persevere by faith, in the life of great and costly love that we've been called to, we're likely to suffer for it. I, let, me, let, me, let me go on that point for just a second. Make sure that if, if we're going to suffer for living a life of great love, make sure we suffer for Jesus' sake and not our own. Do you know what I mean? In a sense, like suffering, suffering is not the sign that we're living the great and costly life the, the great and costly love that, that we've been called to. That's not the sign, right? In the sense that if you're, if you're suffering, you're suffering persecution, uh, they insult you and persecute you and, and the rest, that might just be because you're not nice person. Do you know? Like, I have to, no, I have to, I mean, you know, I have to say it because you might think, well, this is just me being, I'm just being the person God's calling me to be. Love is its own standard. And you know, you know when you're loving. 
And if you don't, let, we, we should pray about it together. You know, because God will reveal that to us. This is the mission that he's called us to. He's going to reveal to us whether or not we're faithfully enacting it. If we go to him in prayer, he's going to do it. This is the most significant thing in the world. He's going to lead us and guide us there. So it is, it, look, there, but there's blessing in it. The other part of it is to say, do you, do you experience yourself to be blessed as you live that persecuted life with Jesus at the center? Because the blessing of it is to be, to be stripped away of ambition in every other realm. So you know, like when you go out to live the life of great and costly love that you've been called to, maybe you think, well, this could profit me as well. <laughs> you know, this could profit me. Maybe if I do this and that and the other, this person might feel indebted to me and have to return whatever to me. Maybe it's even more subtle. I'll do it to you guys. Maybe it's even more subtle. That we do it, we love, in order, to, in order for us to see the effect of our love. That's selfish. That's not love. Love is to will the good of the other for the sake of the other. And not for our sake. And hopefully, I would say, in any way. This is, this is, how, this is how the Beatitudes draw to a close. Because this is where there's power is to say, not only am I living that life of great and costly love that I've been called to, but I know I'm doing it for the sake of God alone. And I'm doing it for love of neighbor. And I'm not doing it for myself. And, and what a baggage-free life that is. To live without the look inside to see what I'm getting. No, what are you giving? And hopefully we're giving everything. And when we're giving everything, it doesn't matter what comes our way. When we, know, when we know that we're giving everything and we know why we're giving everything, it doesn't matter what comes our way. The rest of it is just opportunities to grow. So I've explored the, uh, the Beatitudes in other places at other times, so I'll leave that to your, to your own exploration. You can find it if you'd like. But spend time with this. Spend time with this. This is the charter for God's renewed people. This is what we should expect our lives to look like as we prioritize God and his purposes and as we allow him to use us to lift up his fallen world by nothing other than the power of self-giving love. <laughs>